for about um, a month, almost a month now, I've been uh, wrestling with this message I'm going to preach this morning. Because um, I know in my heart what I want you to hear. But then I say, but Lord, you know, this, this is not one of those easy listening sermons. It's not, it's not easy listening. People are going to have to listen with their heart. But the Holy Spirit just reminded me that it's my responsibility to preach the truth. And the Holy Spirit's responsibility to give you understanding and let it make a difference in your life. You know, there's a difference between revelation and illumination. Now, don't misunderstand me. This book is the revealed Word of God. It's fully inspired, truth without any error. It is the infallible, inerrant, eternal, living Word of God. God's revelation to you and me. And you know, we believe the revelation. That's why we're here. We believe it. And I trust we obey it. But there comes a time when the Holy Spirit will take the revelation of God's Word about a certain thing and illuminate it. And it's like, you say, man, why hadn't I ever seen that before? Why hadn't I ever experienced that before? It's almost like um, you get overwhelmed by a truth, a revelation that you've known, you've believed, you've preached on, but then all of a sudden the Spirit of God gives you, just illumines your spirit that you realize how immense and how great it is. That happened to me about a month ago. I was reading some scripture about the greatness of God. And I'd read those scriptures many times before. And they had meant a lot to me. And I believed every one of them. And I'd preached them. But it seemed like only by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit just brought illumination to that. And I I experienced, I'm serious with you, the greatness of God and saw the greatness of God like I'd never seen it before. I mean, I was overwhelmed. I mean, I said, God, I cannot believe how great you are, how powerful, how majestic. I, I said, it's, it's, it's like I've never really understood the vastness of your greatness. And, 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 and I'd read those scriptures, but I'd never, it had never gripped me about the greatness of God. So what I want to do this morning is share with you those scriptures about the greatness of God. And trust that the Holy Spirit will just illumine them to you that somehow we'll leave here with a greater, greater understanding and faith in the mighty, mighty power of the living God. 
You know, I want to speak about the scriptures. From, I want to speak from the scriptures that speak about three things. First of all, these scriptures speak about the omnipotence of God, that he is all-powerful. Now, I know we believe that, but when, when, when I say he's all-powerful, then it means that he's all-powerful. There's nothing he can't be or can't do. Nothing. But these scriptures not only speak about that he is all-powerful, but that he is all-knowing, that he knows everything. There's nothing God does not know. I mean, he is, he is all-knowing. And to, to realize that uh, he not, not only is all-powerful, but listen, he, he, the God who created us is all-knowing. He knows everything. There's nothing that has ever been that God has not known. And then the third thing is that uh, God is ever-present. There's no place that God is not. Sometimes we say, well, Lord, we want you to come and be here. And, and he knows what we're saying, that, that we welcome him, but, but he's, he's, he's here. That, there's nowhere you can go that God is not. Nowhere. I'm telling you, nowhere. He's everywhere. And so the, the God that we worship and serve and the God that sent his son to die on the cross for our sin and give us eternal life is all powerful and he's all knowing and he's ever present. He is the almighty God. Well, in Psalm chapter 40, let me just read these scriptures that God just used to help me. The first one I want to read is Psalm 40, verse 12. No, excuse me, Isaiah 40, 12. Now look what this says about God. I want you to think about the vastness of this universe. Do you realize how vast this universe is? There's solar systems and solar systems and solar systems and billions of stars and billions of stars and, 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 and some of them are hundreds of light years away. And, and when you think of the vast and greatness of God's universe that he created, look, listen how it describes God as all powerful. Who, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. You know, three-fourths of the world is covered with water. Counting all the oceans and all that stuff. But you know, the Bible says God <laughs> measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. My goodness. He measured the heaven with a span. He just took a span. And he measured the heavens with a span. He calculated all the dust of the earth in a measure. He just, all the dust, he just calculated it in a measure. He weighed all the mountains in a scale and the hills in a balance. Now, now what the Isaiah said, man. Do you realize how great God is? That he could hold it, the oceans in the hollow of his hand and measure the universe with his span. He said, do you understand? Do you just have a little glimpse of how almighty and how great God really is? 
He's all-powerful. And then he, we get another scripture, and this is the one that, these scriptures here is the one that just absolutely blew me away. I want you to look at this on the screen. It is he who sits above the sphere of the earth. I want to stop and say something to you. That word circle is the word sphere. Did you know for thousands of years we believed in a flat earth society? They believed in the flat earth. It was a flat earth society. One reason they didn't want Columbus to sail is they thought he would sail off into nothing. And so they all, everybody, all these brilliant scientists just believed in a flat earth. Flat earth, not a fat earth, a flat earth. Look, the Bible says it's a sphere. Thousands of years before they ever discovered it. It is he who sits above the sphere of the earth. And, and listen to this. This kind of humbles you, doesn't it? And his, its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. <laughs> you know, that that's, that's kind of humbles us. God's such an awesome and a mighty God. Now, he did create us in his image. And, he, he, and, and it's awesome to be created in the image of God. But as he looks down, it's just like all the inhabitants of the earth compared to the greatness of God are grasshoppers. Now, there's some grasshoppers bigger than others, but they're still a grasshopper. Now, Bill Gates is a pretty big grasshopper, but to God, he's a, not, not a very big grasshopper. <laughs> I don't know how big a grasshopper you and I are. But, but compared to the greatness of God, he says, all this inhabitants are grasshoppers. Now look at what he says about God. Now you've got to understand how vast this universe is. Billions, billions of miles. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain. It's just like God just says, I'm just going to make the heavens a curtain. Boy, it's a beautiful curtain when the night's clear and all the stars, you can see them. The smog hadn't brought them out of sight. It, it, it's awesome. It says, he stretches the heavens like a curtain. And look at this. He spreads them out like a tent for us to dwell in. You know, <laughs> I kind of understand a little bit about how great and vast and immense this universe is. And, and God just, I'm just going to make the heavens like a curtain and I, I'm going to uh, spread it out. And it's going to kind of like be a tent for my creation to live in. Man, that, that, that's, that's a picture of God that is absolutely so awesome that is absolutely overwhelming. Then you look in verse 25 and it says, to whom will you liken me? God said, who are you going to compare me to? Let me ask you a question. Who are you going to compare the almighty God to? Who are you going to compare him to? Okay. To whom shall you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? Say the Holy One. And then he goes on in verse 26. This is what, this is powerful here, man. Lift up your eyes on high. So just, he said, look up. And see who has created these things. Who brings out the host by number. Now you've you got to get this picture. This is just where it blew me away. It, it, every night, God just brings out the stars. 
and he knows exactly how many there are. He just brings out the host. And he says, well, there's still three billion of them hadn't lost a one. Who brings out the host by number. Now listen to this. He's got a name for every star. And he calls them by name. I read and, 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 and I was reading. It says it's kind of like God is the shepherd. And he just goes through the universe. And he calls his, uh, the stars by name. Just calls them by name. As the shepherd as he walks through the universe. And, uh, and it says... By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them's missing. Wow. Now, you know, next time you get a chance, would, would you just uh, take a glance into the heavens? We can only see just a little distance. But say, well, I wonder what that star's name is. And I wonder what God named that one. And I wonder what God named that one. And you know, he's, he's checked on them. He hadn't lost a one of them. They're all still there. And, and it's just amazing that you just go now out like hundreds of years away where there are solar systems that so, are so big that they would swallow us up as our solar system. Just swallow us up like you would pour a, 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 some water on a fire. You know... It is almost beyond our understanding of how powerful and how mighty and how great God is. You look at this universe, and I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with, with the absolute power of the, of the living God. And, and then, but not only is he all-powerful, you know, it, the Bible says that, that, that he, knows, he, he knows everything. He knows everything. Look at that 26th verse again. I'll, well, let, let, go back to Psalm 104. Talking about his power. Uh, his greatness. All right, look at this. Th this is he's all powerful. Blessed, bless the Lord, O my soul. O my Lord, you are very great, great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. You cover yourself with the light as with a garment. And you stretch out the heavens like a curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. And you know what God does? He walks on the wings of the wind. Man, what an absolutely beautiful picture of the all-powerful God. But, you know, let's go to the next thing. He's all-knowing. And I want to go back to verse 26. It says he knows every star by name. He knows exactly how many there are. He's never lost to one of them. And he checks on them every day. Lift up your eyes on high. See him who created these things. Who brings out the host by number. Now wait a minute. He's all knowing. He calls them by name. Listen, if God knows the name of all the stars. I, 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 I would imagine that God might know your name. You reckon that's possible? Well, he knows all those stars, and they're billions of miles away. And he says, well, there's, there's Bill there. <laughs> Man, he's all-knowing. He call, brings them out by host. He calls them by name, and he does it by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. 
Not a one of them is missing. He's all-knowing. There's nothing that God does not know. There's nothing that God does not know. I, I like these verses. In Luke 12, 6 and 7. Well, this is good. It says, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten by God. He said, you, you wonder if anything has worth? Well, there are those five sparrows and they're sold for two copper coins. But God, God knows every one of them. He knows every one of them. Five sparrows are sold for two copper coins. Not one of them is forgotten by God. Now, wait a minute. You say, Brother Fred, there, there, there are more birds than you'd ever see in your life. I mean, they're, they're, they're black birds, hummingbirds, bluebirds, redbuds, buzzards. It's all kind. Not one of them is forgotten by God. Well, come on now. And then it says this, and this is, you know, this is so good. It says, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. Woo. Now that's pretty infinite knowledge, isn't it? Now some of you do not have too many to be known. And that's because you have more brains and that's why, you, you know, that's what they tell me. But he said, let me just tell you something. I'll tell you. You're wondering about if I know what you're going through. You wonder if I know about your problem. You're wondering if I know about your heartache. You wonder if I've just been forgotten in the crowd. You wonder if I'm just a statistic or a number or a social security. No, listen to me. God said, I look at you. Not only do I know everything about you, but every hair on your head is numbered. When you get a haircut, God doesn't lose count. You can dye it another color and he still knows what it is. You can't, do you understand what a great and awesome God? Man, he calls all the stars by name, counts them, walks through the universe on the wings of the wind and just shepherds the, the universe. And then here he is, he knows everything about everything and everything about us. He's all known. There's not, not anything that God does not know. But then the, there's the third thing, and that is that he's everywhere. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. But he is everywhere. Look at Psalm 137, 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I send into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, Hades, the place of the dead, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Did you know there's nowhere God is not? Nowhere. There's, you, you never leave the presence of God. You know, so many times people say, well, I know this is wrong and I know I don't need to do it. But nobody will know it but me. Hey, you forgot. God's right there beside you. You mean God goes into the bar with you? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, he goes in there. But there's no place God isn't. No place. Uh-uh. Nowhere. He is omnipresent. You are never out of the presence of God. Never. You are never out of his presence. You need to understand that. You're never out of his presence. You know, I read this. God is above all things. He's beneath all things. He's outside all things. He's inside all things. He sustains all things. He embraces all things. There's no place where Almighty God is not. But you know, we sit down here and we wring our hands and say, well, well, what's going to happen to this earth? What's going to happen in this world? God, I'm afraid we're in trouble. And Lord, I think it's too big for you. Don't you know God laughs? We're down here wringing our hands. You know what the Bible says about the nations? The nations are as a drop in the bucket to God. Wow. The nations are like a drop in the bucket to God. Boy, we get all bent out shaped by, about China and North Korea and all this. Man, let me just wait, say one thing. God could speak it all and destroy it all with the breath of his power in one instant. You just got to understand the God we worship and the God we serve, I'm telling you, he is almighty God. He's all-powerful. He knows he is, he is not only all-powerful, he, he knows everything, and he's present everywhere. And he is, now, I, which leads me to a question. Knowing the greatness and the majesty of God, being overwhelmed by his greatness, what holds it all together? Now, you know, I mean, it's all out there and they're going so fast. And if one of them got, got off course, he'd come over and hit the earth and wipe us out. You know, this meteor shower, you know, this big meter, meteor. Is it a meteor? I don't know why you say it. Meter. It's a meteor that hits the earth, you know. Uh, all these movies and all this stuff. You, you, you know, like, uh, hey, but well, wait a minute. Who, keeps, who holds it all together? What holds it all together is what I want to know. Why didn't it just go apart at the seams? Why doesn't the, the, the sun get off course? And, and, and why doesn't the earth slow down and everybody get th thrown off? I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, who controls everything? Who keeps everything from falling apart? Would you answer me that? Who does it? That's exactly right. <laughs> but, but I never saw this. And I, I read this. I'm not smart enough to figure it out any other way. And God said, he's a little slow, but I'll let somebody. You know, now this, this helped me. Now, I know it says about Jesus, he upholds everything by the word of his power. And he does. But you know what? You know what holds everything together? God, the vastness of God's love. God's love holds everything together. Now, listen to me. God loves what he created. And he created what he loves. And it's because God loves what he created. This universe, you and I in his image. That's why God, it doesn't all fly apart. It's held together by the love of God. Let, let me tell you how I know that. Because when God created the earth, it said... First of all, he made the, the, the sea and the land, and he, he created that. And in Genesis, he said, and then God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
Then the next verse it says, And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And then it goes on and says, Then God said that the waters under the heavens, and goes on on to that stuff. I want to get to the next verse. And, and, and the last part of that verse it says, And God saw that it was good. Oh. God loves what he created because it is good. It is good. Throughout the first chapter of Genesis, God says, it's, that's good. And you go on and you read in a couple of other verses, and, and it says, he made the two lights, the greater light to rule the day, that's called the sun, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on earth, and it says here, and to rule over the night and the day, and, and to divide the light from the darkness. And look at what it says in the verse 10. And God saw that it was good. Hey. You know what God is, what, what is good, God loves. And what God created is good. And he loves what he created. And he created what he loves. And so it is the love of God that holds it all together. And by the way. You know, you're created in the image of God. And toward the end of that chapter, he said, and didn't God didn't say it was good. God said it is very good. It's very good. And so God looks at all he created, and he says, man, woo, it's very good. And he loves what he created. And it is his love that holds it all together. Have you ever made the statement before, well, I'm just falling apart. Have you ever said that before? You said, not since yesterday. Well, you know, if it wasn't for God, you would fall apart. Who holds you together anyway? The molecules and the atoms and all those things. So you've got to understand that it is the love of God. The immeasurable love of a great and awesome God that holds this whole universe together and keeps it from disintegrating and just going up in smoke and into nothingness. That is the mighty power of God. Now, having said that, I want to get to the heart of my message. And, and that is this. Being, God, being who God is we got to understand that because of his greatness, now stay with me, because of his greatness, because that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, ever-present, God is the maker of all things. God is the lover of all things. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God is the keeper of all things. He keeps his children by the power of God. But, but you've got to understand that uh, since he's such an awesome and mighty God, I'm going to say something to you that you're going to think about it and say, wait a minute now, I'm not sure I understand that. Do you realize that God is enough? Did you know that? He's so great. He's so awesome. He's so powerful. He's so loving. He's so personal. Did you know that God is enough? 
Did you know he's enough? No, he's not, Brother Fred. God's not enough. I mean, I got to have God plus a new house. Are you serious? You mean God's not enough? I mean, the Word of God. Uh, the, the Bible says that God is enough. You know, I, I love this scripture. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. You know what the Lord said to me this morning? I didn't quite understand why the Lord wanted me to put that verse in here. But he said, that, that's, that's for somebody that's going to be sitting in this congregation this morning. And I want you to tell them that the days of their mourning shall be ended. I don't know if it's you. And I don't know if it's you. But you've been mourning. I don't even know what you've been mourning about. But God said for me to say to you, that the days of your mourning shall be ended. God is going to intervene. He's going to step in. And he is going to give you relief and help from your days of mourning. You see, let me tell you where the, what our culture has told us. Now, please understand this because I, I don't want you to leave here confused. Our culture says that God is not enough. I believe that religious people believe that God is not enough. It's this, God plus things. Now, let me just say one thing. God created this world for us to enjoy. And God says that having food and clothes and raiment to be content. And he has blessed us far far beyond our comprehension. And, 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 And I've heard people say, There's nothing wrong with things as long as things don't have you. But but I want to just say to you, this culture is, well, God's not enough. It's not enough. God plus the right job will be enough. But God is not enough. God plus the right husband and wife. Now, that will be enough. But God is not enough. And you see, there's there's almost an insult to God that says that God is not enough. Well, let me ask you something. If he calls the stars by name, he counts them, he knows all about them, he, the hairs on your head are numbered, and he's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing. Let me ask you a question. Is God not enough in your life? You mean there's got to be something else more than God? <laughs> but, Brother Fred, God's just not enough. I'm not happy. You never will be happy until you realize that God is enough. That's the only time you'll have any sense of satisfaction. You say, but I'm blessed with things. That's okay as long as things don't have you. But I'll tell you one thing. The moment you start depending on those things to satisfy the depths of your soul, you are in big trouble. Because it can be gone just like that. It can be gone just like that. In an instant, all those things can be gone. And all you have is God. That's where God wanted you to be anyway. He wanted you to be in the place where you could say, you know, God is enough. (laughs) Jesus is enough. 
Boy, that's easier said than done. I'm going to tell you that right now. Oh, yeah, we struggle, man. We struggle. We struggle with this thing. Well, I got to have this, and I got to have that, and I got to be this, and I got to be that. If I could just go to an, uh, an island and stay a month, I'd be a new man. No, you wouldn't. You'd just be wore out and come back and would just, just as empty as when you went. Well, I'm, if I just get to go on that cruise, well, I'm okay, but you're going to be the same person on the cruise you were when you got on the boat, and you're going to be the same person when you get off. And you just spent some money. It's all you did. All I'm saying is, I am not anti your God blessing you, but I'm telling you, if you trust in anything other than God to satisfy you, you are in trouble, and God is not pleased with you. God is enough. And I realize how great he is, how awesome he is, how majestic he is. I look at this universe and say, my God, you even know my name and you even have my hairs on my head numbered. And, and Lord, you even, you, you mean, you, you're my friend. This is too much for me to comprehend, Lord. You're such an awesome, awesome God. So I, I want to conclude by just telling you what we need to do. Since God is enough, we need to seek God with all our heart. I want you to look at Psalm 42, 1 through 3. I tell you, God is enough, y'all. Vance Havner was a widow. No, he wasn't a widow. He was single till he was about 40 years old. And he never married. And then he got married. And I'm telling you, he was like a young bride. He loved his wife. I mean, he... I mean, she was the joy of his life. And he had a wonderful marriage. But she got sick and died. And he liked to grieve himself to death. I mean, he was just like in pit number two, this great man of God. And somebody said, well, Dr. Havner, where are you right now? Where are you? He said, I'm going to tell you where I'm at. He said, I'm shipwrecked on God. And I'm stranded on his power. Sometimes you don't know God is all you need till God is all you got. You find yourself shipwrecked on God and stranded on his power. Woo. I'm telling you, that, that's, a, that's a good place to be because you realize that God is enough. So this is what we need to do. Psalm 42, I'm just going to give you three or four verses. 42, 1 through 3. As the deer pants after the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. It is you I want, God. Look at this. My soul thirsts for God. Okay, God is enough. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. That's who I'm thirsty for. When shall I come and appear before God? My soul is thirsty for God. Then you're going over to Psalm 63. We'll go on over there. It says, you are my God. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Now look at this. My soul thirsts for you. Man, it, it seems like we're thirsty for everything in this world. We're thirsty for this and thirsty for that. And when God is enough, and, and God plus nothing is still enough, and if you have things, that's another thing. Enjoy the blessings of God, but don't let them think that they're going to make you satisfy the deepest part of your being. Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. I want to ask you a question. How thirsty are you for God? 
I'm, you say, I'm thirsty for success, Brother Fred. I'm thirsty for material things. I'm, okay, come on. But I want to ask you a question. How thirsty are you for God? I mean, he's the God of this universe, man. He created you in his image. He has a purpose for your life. And he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross in your place. So I'm asking you, my goodness, alive, how thirsty are you for God? Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. My goodness. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. God, I am hungry and thirsty for you. My lips are parched. I am thirsty for you, O God. Then you go to Psalm 63, verse 2. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory. And then there's, you get over into uh, Psalm, get over to uh, Matthew 5, verse 6. It says, uh, blessed are those, this is Jesus, blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. God himself. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then you get over to Matthew 6, 33. Look what it says. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek God first. God is enough. Seek God first. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Did you know the Bible says that we are complete in Jesus? That he's enough? I want to read you two verses. Colossians 2, verse 8 and 9. Now, now, he said it warns us here. Don't believe the lies of the world that God is not enough. He says, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and according to Christ. Don't believe the lies of this world. But look what it says. For in, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It says that Christ didn't enough. It says, but for him, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And look at the next verse. And you are almost complete in him. Does it say almost complete? And you are complete in him. I will not be complete, Brother Fred, till I have the right, the, the right wife, the right husband. I will not be complete till I have the right car. I will not be complete till I get in the right house. I will not be complete till I get the right job. I will not be complete until uh, uh, I have perfect health. Come on. And the Bible says, and you are complete in him, period. Who is the head of all principality and power? And then there's another verse, John 15, 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. I have to be honest with you all. It was a glorious experience for me. As I read those verses, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God opened my eyes to the greatness of God. I cannot tell you what went on in my soul, in my spirit. And I still am amazed when I think of the greatness of God. And, I, and that, that ought to show you the God that created you, the God that sent his son to die on the cross for you, the God that raised his son from the dead, 
the God who lives to live his life in you. I'm telling you, why should you ever be afraid? Why should you ever be frustrated? Why should you ever fear? Why? Why? I mean, you're a child of the living God. I mean, the living God who knows the name of every star and counts them every day. My God, what is it going to take for you to trust God? I mean, to believe that he is enough that you'll never face anything that is too big for God. You'll never face anything that is too big for God. But the thing is, you've got to realize that he's enough. And you have to go after him with your whole heart. And that's the challenge to me in a busy, busy, cluttered world. Will I pursue God more than anything or anybody else? That's the challenge in my heart. And will you pursue God through Jesus more than anybody or anything else?